Welcome everyone to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And I don't know about you guys, but I just came off a weekend packed with cornhole. I just led my first women's retreat and it was a lot of fun, a lot of sun, <laughs> a lot of wind, a lot of sunburns, <laughs> but uh, kind of like Spencer McKenzie's vibe where you're like, oh, it's cloudy. It's fine. And then everyone's sunburnt a second later. <laughs> so um, a lot of fun and a lot of cornhole. But how, how was your guys' weekends? Yeah, I, we can keep talking about your weekend. I moved this weekend, and moving sucks. So oh, yeah. Ever. I saw that It's tweet. the worst thing ever. So um, <laughs> it was the best move I've ever had, which – Okay. But it's still like you're, – you're talking about like a, a 1 out of 10 versus a 2 out of 10 type of thing. But like yeah. – so we can keep talking about your retreat and how well that went because I don't want to <laughs> talk about moving. Well, and I, we were saying earlier like that – I was saying that a lot of the guys want one, but Anthony's saying no. Guys don't want retreats. Oh, no, they do. They just don't want to take notes during their retreat the only <laughs> paper and a pen you're going to get guys taken out on a retreat is like maybe keeping a tally who, of who won the most beer pong matches or something like that <laughs> but uh yeah you're not going to get them to take any classroom notes i saw some of those photos i was like that totally makes sense you get a bunch of ladies together and maybe you went through some like mental toughness stuff and they're taking notes guys heck no that's not going to happen <laughs> okay, okay, well, we'll have to see. We're talking about maybe doing a male version uh, or a couple's version in the future. So we'll have to test that theory and see how it goes. Yes. <laughs> uh, but also last night, uh, we learned that we uh, had our lineups for the first Teams broadcast. So we're going to go through some of those and kind of look at what these matches are going to be and uh, get you guys' opinion on, on who that's going to be. And that's going to be first with the Carolina Coasters versus Missouri Mays. It's going to be on CBS Sports Network. Do we know which day that one is, Trey? Do you happen to know? Yeah, this will be – yeah, this one's Sunday, April 9th um, at, at 3 p.m. Eastern. It'll be a two-hour broadcast showing all seven games of the head-to-head -head matchup. Perfect. So the, the coaches got together and, or the captains got together and decided what these matches are going to be. Uh, definitely some on there, no surprise, you know, Lori Duel, Miranda Coy, of course, they're going to be partnered together. Lexi, Emily, of course, they're going to be partnered together. But did any of these really stand out to you guys as, as kind of surprising as partnerships? Yeah. Hey, Trey, just well, kind of a, a big picture to understand. So we're going into national run one, right? So we went to the captains and said, hey, we need you to submit your roster. Is, is that kind of a, like a two or three week in advance thing that we'll see at all of the nationals? Yeah. Anything that's on TV. Or on a live stream, we'll have the roster set two weeks in advance. And in this, per, and then in this particular case, they actually had it. This year, what we're doing is, unlike last year, where all of the teams submitted lineups blindly, this year we are snaking them. Meaning that going first, um, they uh, the teams would have to put up a team. So, for example, they went first. Uh, the coasters went first in this regard. They lost the coin toss, had to put up their team first. And so the coasters put up and said, my game one is going to be Trevor Brooks versus Berkeley pair. And then the, the maze had to answer that game one. And they answered it with Ryan Windsor and Gavin Cano. Oh, okay. And the maze had to put up a game two, which was Azidra Herrera and Jalen Jones which the coasters answered with Eric Davis and Derek King. So I love that. I love yeah, that. The, so you get a peek. Added, you essentially get to see who you want to match up against that. And it kind of snakes that way. Exactly. Exactly. So whoever wins the coin toss 
essentially gets four chances to peak and three opportunities to put up their own team. So there is an advantage to kind of winning that coin toss, right? Because if you win that coin toss, then you get to respond four times yeah. and only have to go first three times. So that's another added element of this team's broadcast this year that's going to be different and things that we can talk about, right? Because last year it was kind of like, okay, I'm just throwing you know, seven teams randomly into my roster. But now you have a chance to strategically target it. So right out of the gate, when I see these two, two teams in this first matchup, we learned a lot about both teams right out of the gate. The Coasters, by going first and saying Trevor Brooks, Berkeley pair, they took one of their top two, maybe at worst three teams, and put them in that first slot out of the gate, right? So that tells us they're looking to get a win early, right? Then the Mays could have responded with their number six seed, their number seven seed, right? And if they had done that, they're essentially telling everybody, okay, Carolina Coasters, I'll let you take game one in order to win further. But no, that's not what they did. Yeah. Or took him as a captain and one of his top picks and said, no, I'm going to beat your number two or your number three team, right? So we learned a lot about this. So right out of the gate, when we talk about national number one and we talk about this kickoff battle and how it's going to go, this team's matchup between these two, we're going to get an opportunity right out of the gate to know there's a ton on the line just in this first game. Yeah, so there's some strategy there. I mean, like you said, if, if the Coasters disclosed their, their number one seed and their number two seed and said, hey, we're going to take our two best players, make them a doubles team, and disclose that, the Mays could have come in and said, all right, we're going to take our two worst players and essentially just call that a loss. But then we're going to be strong moving forward for the rest of our matches. So, yeah, certainly some strategy involved. I love that concept. Yeah, and, and just looking at this and looking at the overall matchups, like – I think it's I think it's really evenly split if I go game by game, right? If I had gone if you told me the coasters versus the maze, I would have told you the coasters have a strong advantage. Yep. But I think if the maze can win game 1, that gives them a really good path because they're taking out one of the top pairings for the coasters right out of the gate, right? Windsor and Cano, if they can take down Brooks and Pear, you got to think Davis and King are going to be favored in theirs. Then we go to the next matchup for those watching or listening without without audio. So, okay, let's go through the matchups, actually. So Ryan Windsor, Gavin Cano, Trevor Brooks, Berkeley, Pear. That's Mays versus Coasters. Like I said, I think maybe the edge goes a little bit towards the Mays there. Eric Davis and Derek King for the Coasters, then taking on Isidro Herrera and Jalen Jones. I think Davis and King have the advantage there, right? Then if you go down to that third one, I think the third one is the first spot where Anthony, I don't, I don't, and, and Michelle, I don't know if I really see a, a strong sway either direction, maybe a little bit for the coasters with Dave Morse and Nick Petusky taking on John Fuentes and Brandon Brown from the maze, maybe a little bit leaning towards the coasters. Um, but I, I think you could go either direction there. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Fuentes, I think you look at Fuentes and Morris as, as pretty close. I mean, I think that one's going to be a head-to-head. We saw Brandon Brown 
recently have some success. It's going to come down to Petuskey, in my opinion here. And he's had some broadcast experience uh, through the juniors, um, USA Cornell stuff. He can throw at a high elite level. I think that one comes down to Petuskey to pull that one out for the coasters. But I agree, that's pretty evenly matched at match three. And then as you go down, Jamie Graham, James Baldwin against Stephen Burnisett and Tony Mayball. Again, I kind of like Graham and Baldwin there. Um, but then I think Ethan Walker and Austin Renard would be favored over Kaylee Hunter and Chad Hunt just by, based on how well Ethan Walker has been throwing, right? So, like, this could come down – like, the, may, the way I'm seeing this is essentially what I'm saying, guys, is, like, I thought this would be a domination by the coasters. Yeah. And I'm saying to myself, there's a chance this goes to game six and even game seven. I mean, how cool is it going to be if it's three to two going into the all-female matchup of Lexi Hugeback, Emily Downer versus Lori Duell and Miranda Coy? I mean, that matchup may be my favorite of all of them, and I'm just hoping it it, it may be enough to completely sway the entire match. And then we have to look at the pressure there because obviously Duel and Coy have broadcast experience. So I'm just wondering how that's going to play into it being kind of favored towards them with huge back and downer. We haven't even really seen them yet this season. Quiet, right? Quiet in the preseason. Yes. No idea what they're going to come out and do. No idea. They're just coming out strong. Like here we are <laughs> coming on a broadcast. Showing <laughs> us, showing everybody who we are. I, mean, I really have no idea what to expect. Like, we know what they've done in the past and we definitely know dual and Koi. We have a lot of experience with them. Uh, so this one, I I'm really interested in seeing. Yeah, I agree, Trey, man. Now seeing how these matchups, like you said, I, I had the coasters uh, favored in this one. But yeah, looking at the matchups, it literally could come down to that last match. You know, with, with Harvey going to be the standout across the bottom. You've got Trox. you got Matthew Trox. Is it Troxel? Yes. Troxel and Kearns versus Harvey and Whitaker. Harvey's going to be the standout for me in that in that lineup. Uh, we've seen some success from Kearns. We don't have a lot on Troxel and Whitaker, so yeah, that would be awesome if it came down. How about the order of the matches? Is this going to be the order of the matches on TV, Trey, where yes. they would be the anchor? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that, that matchup could be the deciding match uh, at a game seven, essentially. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, think, I think the coasters are favored here. I think they should be the favorite. But the key, I'm thinking game one, game three. If you want to be the maze and you want to beat the coasters, the team that everybody's saying is going to be unbeatable, the maze can do that if they can win game one, which is Ryan Windsor and Gavin Cano have to beat Trevor Brooks and Berkeley Pear. And I think you have to win John Fuentes and Brandon Brown versus Dave Morris and Nick Petuskey. If you can do that, I think you're set up to take down this matchup. And are we going to get lines on this? For the yes, or how does that work? Is it like there's just the team that wins or individual games? Don't know yet what DraftKings is going to come out with. I'm assuming they're going to come out with an overall head to head, but they could also come out with individual game as well. Cool. Well, excited to see that. But uh, we also have our next matchup. Uh, that's going to be the Texas Bully Baggers versus the Ohio Aviators. Texas Bully Baggers, obviously being in their home state, so. We have to give them home field advantage as we're looking at these matchups. Uh, but what are your feelings about this one? Yeah, this is Friday, April 7th, eight, sorry, 9.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network to kick off kind of the weekend as far as broadcasts go. And I think this one's even more interesting 
from a first game perspective because the Aviators went first. The Aviators right out of the gate put up Trey Birchfield and Noah Almanza. A beast team I, out of the gate. A, That's a beast a team. They're two best. And the Bully Baggers walked up to him and said, we're going to fight. I mean, this is going to be an absolute brawl. So A.J. Sims and Dylan Turpin are were elected to play against Birchfield and Almanza, which to me was a shock, an absolute shock, because the Aviators, like, I don't know. If I was a captain, Anthony and Michelle, I don't know if you guys would approach it differently, but I almost – if you're going to take your literal two best players, statistically, those are their two best players when you look at the rosters. I likely would have probably thrown a game seven team in there, given yes. that win. If you're going to lose all, all your firepower, because now they're they're using one of their captains and AJ Sims in this matchup. Yes, if you win, you're a genius. But if you lose you're really putting your team in an overall difficult position for the rest of the rest of the match. Those would be yeah. some crazy odds. If you take Sims Turpin, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no doubt. And they, and the bully baggers didn't even bring their best team forward. So the aviators brought their best team forward. The bully baggers brought a, a crazy strong team forward, but we could argue that Grindersleeve Batson is going to be their best team forward. I mean, they are, if you look at some of the top rankings in doubles last year, I mean, they were both up there. So, hey, Turpin Sims are going to be tough. I think that's uh, – I'd be curious at why they picked that one. I think it's winnable, but I wouldn't say that they took their best two against their best two. Right, yeah. I think – I think I don't think it's anything wrong to say that it, it's it's 1A, 1B, maybe the 1B team. But, again, this is one of one. It's not like Birchfield is playing with – Tyler Cobb and Almanza's playing with Hamilton and you could argue one a one B on that front. No, this is the aviators number one team. No doubt. No question. And which just made it an interesting decision for me for the bully backers to go out there. So, um, and then you go down game two, Josh Glover, Ernest Menarca, Andrew guy, Ben Brown. That feels like a coin flip to me. That feels like whoever's hot wins that. Um, Grindersley Batson, Morrison Spies feels like a Grindersley Batson need to win that, right? I mean, Got if you're to. they have to win that one. You have to. You're your number one seed. Um going down the next, I think Gabe Dolan, Carson Getty for the Aviators against Kenny Tackett and Deborah Odom. Look, I mean, I love Deborah Odom, but the way Carson Getty's been throwing recently, that feels like a a favorite towards towards the Aviators here. 100. So they're they're um, I think a heavy favorite in my opinion. Maybe a coin flip on game five. How about game six? That was like, as the lineups were coming through, you're like, okay, when are these guys going to be put into the lineup? And then boom, Jordan <laughs> Canberra, Canberra, Matthew Stout, Fisher Hamilton, and Tyler Cobb. Talk about a heavyweight matchup in the second to last game um, that, that may be a deciding factor again of this game just based on how the, the, the first half has gone. So it's just, this is a wild, wild matchups we're seeing here in this one. Yeah, I love that game six. And that one to me is going to be Matt, Matt Stout, where are you at? You know, we've seen some elite level play out of this guy. Broadcast talent, you know, able to make that right up to that broadcast. I think, did he make that broadcast or was he right outside? Do you remember, Trey, when we were, what was that, Kansas or something like that? 
Yeah, right outside, I believe. I think he was yeah. one match away. Yeah, I think he was one. Either way, uh, it's going to come down to Stout. He's the quiet one. You look at this list. We see a lot of Tyler Cobb. We see a lot of Hamilton. Camba's been competing a lot, but Matthew Stout, where are you at, my man? I mean, that's going to be the factor right there. That game six is going to be fun. That game six is going to be fun. If they get to it. I feel it's a possibility they won't. You think? You see a dominating first five in this? Well, I'm not saying that, that it's a sure thing. I'm just saying it could happen. It could happen. Yeah, so it, let's go to Michelle's point. I think Birchfield and Almanza are favored. Yes. Right? They got to be, I think. Guy Brown, let's say they win. I said it's a coin flip. They win that. They can lose Morrison Spees. Yep. And then Dolan Getty, I said, are favored. Yep. And then, again, maybe another coin flip game in that one, although I'd probably give Kingfisher and Saladiner maybe a little bit of an edge. But, you know, it's not crazy to think that. I just I just keep going back to the decision of A.J. Sims, Dylan Turpin. Like, that's the team I'm going to put up against Trey Birchfield, Noah Almanza. Like, I just think – I think it was a, a huge – huge risk to do that yeah take saladiner and, and carpenter throw them in your first match good luck boys hey if you can yeah. pull this win out for us awesome if not yeah. no worries don't stress if you pull a loss out we got a strong next six right. so that i think that would have been a good reaction to the top two i guess the only thing you can say in favor of the coin flips is that they're in texas there's going to be a lot of texas love there Oh yeah, a lot of Texas support, so that might help with some of those coin flip options. But definitely going to be interesting. Next, we have news around the league. We did have some teams transactions happen in the last week. Brian Schram was picked up by the Kentucky Colonels after they dropped Scott Schultz, and Rob Vajinov. God, I hate this name. Vajinov. <laughs> Good. Oh man, I'm sorry, Rob. Picked up by Chicago Land Spinners after being dropped by Missouri Mays. Um, and they dropped Chad Mayberry. And so I think it's Rob and Matthew Morton that have already been on two teams. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So um, essentially, literally, it was almost hours after it happened. I mean, the Missouri Mays set their lineups for the broadcast, the TV broadcast, and Vajinov was not on there. And he said, "Take cut me. He said, wow. I, he said I want to be cut. So – um, they, Ryan Windsor said, okay, and let him, and let him, let him walk away. So, um, and then immediately Wait, say that again, Vojanov said, cut me, cut me. Cause he, yeah, I, he I was like, I want to be on TV. He said, I wasn't in the starting lineup. So cut me. Oh, got you. So, um, he, he left and then, uh, two different teams put in waiver claims for Vojanov to pick him up. It was the Marauders and the Spinners but the spinners were higher on the waiver wire list. So they got the, uh, they got to pick up Vojnov. So that was, and that's going to be interesting to track later in the season. Like what are the, was that decision on? Right. And what I'm interested to see is like, if it's knowing, and I don't know if the, and I, I don't know if the spinners knew that, but like if they did, if the spinners knew that they were picking up somebody that had already left another team because they weren't on the lineup, like are the spinners essentially conveying like, I'm definitely going to put this guy in the starting lineup. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, or is the same thing going to happen again, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Someone else will get me. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Vojinov is one of those where I don't know his game nationally yet, but I keep seeing him showing up in mm -hmm. regional level play or just local level play. And I keep saying his name. So it's like, 
I feel like this guy is worthy of being on a broadcast. And clearly, if someone's coming to pick him up that got two waivers, you know, somebody wants him. So uh, I, I think he's going to outplay, um, you know, where he's being positioned on, on, on the Missouri maze. I think he Agreed. will. Yeah. We also have the Atlantic Conference. Uh, we had two over uh, or 230 doubles teams, over 400 singles players, and over 30,000 payouts. Open blind draw winners, James Baldwin and DJ Powell. Open doubles, Ryan Smith and Berkeley Pair. And open singles, Jamie Fincham. Is it Jamie or Jaime? I can't tell if it's a typo Jamie, or that's Jamie. It is Jamie. Okay, Jamie. just a typo. Uh, Jamie Fincham uh, wins over Devin Harbaugh. So big, what? big win there. Yeah. Anybody winning over Devin Harbaugh right now is shocking, uh, especially a Look, name that – yeah, what do you got? What do you got on this guy? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Pros cannot win the Virginia con- – the Atlantic Conference. Oh, is that the history? It cannot, <laughs> it cannot happen. I've seen it – like every time I look at an Atlantic Conference, it's some amateur has come in and beat all these great pros out of the Atlantic Conference. And then, and then they'll all go to the Opens, and all the pros will finish higher than all the amateurs – but when you talk about at the open event, I think Austin Camera did it like did it like three times last year. Like the, they just the pros. I don't know what it is. They can't win the conferences. Uh. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, I think Austin uh, Cameron. That's that's the kid, right? It's like a, a young a young player. Yes. So he won like he won everything in advance. I think pretty much. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate and, uh, that one. Good to see James Baldwin on a podium. I know it's a blind draw, but like that's. That gives me a little bit of, you know, positivity towards, you know, a personal James Baldwin fan going into the season. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Misha, I didn't want to glaze over the team transaction. I mean, can we talk about Brian Schram for a second and how vocal he was about the result of the draft? Um, you go first, Misha. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he said, can we talk about this? Yeah. And go, Michelle. You can talk, you talk about it. Um, it's an interesting, um, yeah, uh, there, there's a lot there to unpack. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's definitely interesting how he approached not being drafted, how he approached being drafted. Uh, it's unique. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unique. I think that's a good way to put it. It's, it's in Brian Schramm style, you know, where it's like passive aggressive, maybe, you know, it kind yeah. of is like, eh, you know, I'm going to make a big deal, but it's not I'm a big fired. deal. And then it's, it is kind of a, a shot fired and then it just gets uglier in the comments below. But bottom line, Brian Schramm was not happy with the draft. He felt like he should have been picked up. Uh, he made it very well known on media. And then here it is. The, the colonels dropping Schultz looks like coming in to grab Schramm. So, uh, so he's in the mix. There you are, my man. Yeah, now now you got to go out not- and back it up. Yeah. What's well, going to happen if he's not on the lineup though? No, we, we're going to hear about that. I will Very say that there's possible. any benefit if there's yeah. any benefit from not being the first one is that like all these players if you're not on the first broadcast of the season you get an opportunity to prove it right so like if Shram there, there's no doubt in my mind if Shram goes out through the rest of the season until the Colonels play a little bit later in the year on TV if he if he plays throughout the regular season and finishes at a high level and is playing better than the other people on his team he's going to get a spot. That's so hard about kind of being the first here. This Mm -hmm. first event, this first TV broadcast, you're kind of saying to yourself, I kind of have to go on who's hot, who's not. I'm kind of taking guesses here and there to see who the best part for the lineup is going to be. That's true. That's a good point. All right, next up, we got rapid fire picks. I'm going to read a category in three names. You tell me who you're going to pick. 
Trey, most entertaining shot maker between Eric Davis, Noah Wooten, Devin Harbaugh? Um, I don't think it's particularly close. I'm going Eric Davis. No. Yeah, maybe, not even close. Maybe Wooten has got some stuff in there sometimes that it wants in a blue moon. Tony Smith is kind of the same way too. I know he wasn't on this list, but Eric Davis, it's not close. And okay, most entertaining shot maker between Kyle Malone, Jordan Power, and Ryan Windsor. Ah, uh, Power. Power, power is like I could I think I feel like I could watch Jordan Power play marbles and I'd probably get a kick out of it. You know, it's just like I don't know. It's just he just is an energy guy. I like it. Okay. Anthony? Yeah, I would put in shot maker and entertaining. I'd put Malone third. I don't think that he's gonna be in that category, you know, more strategic, more clean shots. I think Windsor's gonna hit more complicated shots than power, but we're gonna get more energy out of power making a shot feel like it was even better so i'd have to go with i'd have to go with uh, jordan power because of the entertaining piece of that i think he's going to make it more entertaining all right best era era mailer out of kaylee hunter yeti Irwan, lori duel trey tough one you know uh, I, i'm not going to say lori and and, and only nope. because lori is a very conservative player like She's the type. She's gonna limit her limit her ability to limit her time to airmail. So like, it's simply because of volume at that point. So I'm going between Yeti and Kaylee. I think Kaylee gets more opportunities to do so and hits it more often than not. So I'll go. Uh, so I'll say Kaylee. Did I say Yeti? I meant to say yeah. Kaylee if I said Yeti, but it's Kaylee. No, you said Kaylee. Okay. Anthony. Yeah, I agree with your Lori dual comment, Trey. Coming down to Irwan and Hunter. Now Irwan is starting to play a little bit more of a speed controlled game. So she fi she's finding herself in airmail situations way more often, and she's really backing it up with a tough airmail. I think we're going to see her shooting a lot more airmail this year, but I think Hunter's going to get that edge right now for me on best airmail airmailer. Okay, how about best airmailer between Damon Dennis, Jimmy McGuffin, and Matt Guy? Dang. <laughs> yeah, it, I want to say it's tough, but I'm, I'm always going to go Jimmy McGuffin. Like, Over I guy, watched okay. him... No, it's not even a, like I don't care. I don't care. Like I watched Jimmy McGuffin in Arizona walk up to the board, and these guys that have never seen cornhole before, they break out their phones and like I'm gonna get this guy playing cornhole, and he just rattles off 16 airmails in a row. Not like he was practicing somewhere. He was on the main stage. Yes, it was a little bit of, but he like just casual 16 in a row airmails, and then picked up his bags and walked away. Said I'm good. Like I, don't I think know. I got it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go McGuffin. Anthony, I think Dennis falls off of this one pretty quick. Awesome air mailer, but he falls off. Like you said, MacGuffin guy. These, in my opinion, these are the two best air mailers on the planet. So I'm not as quick to go to MacGuffin. This is tough, man. <laughs> I got to go the other way, Trey. Just just for the purposes of this discussion, um, would love to see it head to head. Maybe a hundred air mail. Who hits the most? I'm gonna go Matt Guy on that one. That'd be really I'm go fun. Matt Guy. All right, best uh, push or cleanup shot between Alex Rawls, Mark Richards, Devin Harbaugh. Yeah, if we're cleaning stuff up, I got to go Rawls. That's, how, oh, that's yep. how we got to number two player in the world last year, right? I mean, maybe Richards can give him some run. I, I, maybe a better push, like a long push for Harbaugh. But if I'm kind of giving it an all-encompassing all stat, I'm going to give it a Rawls. Anthony, 
Agreed. Yeah, I agree. De- Devin's going to keep the board a little bit more clean nowadays. That's the style he's playing. Mark Richards is good at cleaning up, but Rawls, I think he definitely stands out on that list uh, as a cleanup guy. Okay, how about between Cheyenne, Bubenheim, Matt Guy, and Jamie Graham? You didn't want to read the name as it's written on our on our run of show. That's how my husband. That's his jokes. That's what he called. Uh, yeah, best push shot cleanup uh, again. I really want to put Cheyenne here, but Jamie Graham has just become the world's best push shot player. And if he's not one, he's maybe one B, right? So. I just I have to go with Jamie Graham. I don't think Cheyenne can be as consistent enough with it because um, she does have her off days. I'll go Graham. Anthony, guy falls off quick. He's not a that's not a specialty. Um, that that is tough. I mean that is Cheyenne's. Cheyenne I think would win the cleanup close to the hole. Um, Jamie Graham. I mean he's he's right there close to the hole, but he has just nasty lower level pushes that I don't think Cheyenne has that juice. I'm going to go Jamie Graham as well because of his ability to, to push in all levels of on the board. All right. Best roll shot between Jacob Gore, Isabella, and Ethan Walker. Uh, Ethan's got a good one that I've seen, but he's got to do it more often. Bella, I've seen her sometimes. If she doesn't, if she's not on, she'll cut a lot left on that roll. I get to see Jake at all these conferences. I get to see him at the regionals. The dude is unbelievable when he's locked in. I'm going Jake Gore. Anthony, that one's tough. That one is actually pretty tough, and we don't—I don't think we have the best roll shot guys on the list here. So I think this is cool. I mean, this is pretty close. Ethan definitely impressed at the recent uh, at that recent open. He showed that he's an elite level roller. I'm gonna have to go with the for the same reasoning. Go with with Jake as well on that one. That was a good call, Trey. And then how about between Vincent Frisch, Jacob Foreman, and Ryan Fillingham, roll shots. <sighs> This is this is tough too. I haven't seen enough of Frisch to be able to say that that's going to be the the number one. Based on what I'm most familiar with, I'm going to go with Jacob Foreman. But it, I could be grossly wrong there, not seeing how they're a lot throwing over the past six months. I haven't seen a ton of footage on all of them to be able to say one way or the other. But I'll go Foreman. Anthony. Yeah, I'm I'm with Trey uh, again on this one. Uh, I think Fillingham at the bottom of the list, uh, although he does, you know, he's able to demonstrate that capability. Just haven't had enough of Frisch, but I have seen some matches, um, and he does it pretty well. I'm just more familiar with Foreman. We we've seen his success in doubles last year, depending on that roll bag. So just his ability to 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 rise above all the players in doubles using a roll bag. I'm going to go with Foreman as well. All right, for the sake of time, we're going to go to the last one. Most unique throw, Ryan Windsor, Tom Gustafson, Adam Hisner. It's got to be Gustafson. We're talking about a guy that spins it the wrong way. I mean, the dude <laughs> the is just – right. I mean, it's just – he's just making it up. He just made a shot up. So, uh, so I want to be add Justin Stranger to that list. That's a, that's a unique uh, yeah. one as well. Anthony? Yeah, I would agree. Windsor unique only because of the movement he gets uh, in his calves kind of in the bottom. You know, he gets that little X, just kind of that weird little uh, lower base movement. Adam Hissner still throwing with a cup in his hand and being <laughs> successful at the top. It still blows my mind. It just seems like it's more things to think about. But yeah, the, what Gustafson can do with the, uh, with the reverse Mamba, so unique. I have only know three players at the, I'd say at a, at a competitive, at above a competitive level that are actually successful with that. So that's very unique. Agreed. All right, next up, we got buy or sell. I'll read you something, and you let me know if you're going to buy or sell. 
First one being someone not named Alex Hicks will be this year's best under 18 player. I'm going to say uh, Anthony is going to hate me for this. <laughs> I'm going to say bye just because of the volume that I get. So I get to choose Alex Hicks or I get Jake Gore, Jack Gore, Fisher Hamilton and Vincent Frisch and Adrian Brunson and all these other guys and Caleb Batson and yep. all those guys. Yeah. I'll take the volume, right? Anthony can sell it all he wants, but I'm taking yeah. the volume, baby. <laughs> Anthony, are you selling it? I'm selling and Trey's right. I mean, he's taking the field, right? He's got a lot to work with there, but I'm going to hold true to my, my top 10. Alex Hicks is, uh, is my only U18, I believe. No, we have Fisher in there, don't we? We have Fisher Hamilton in there. How yeah, old is Fisher Hamilton? 16. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just threw a wrench in your play. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So? Uh, yeah, I, I, have, I, have to, I have to sell. I actually have Hamilton ranked above Alex Hicks in the top 10 we just dropped. So, oh, so that means you would buy it. Someone or not I would buy it. Yeah, sorry. I would buy. Yeah, yeah you're right. I'm with you, Trey. It. Again. Wow. I was hoping you'd disagree with me. I know. I I, I can't like <laughs> drop my top ten and, and then and then back out. Go that. against it. Yeah. Right. All right. Second one. Brandon Brown will have the best run out of all the Canadians in open singles at the Canadian mm. Open next weekend. By yourself. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm excited to learn more. like Canada's growing so much. Last year, just a quick, you know, plug here. Last year only had about 70 or 80 teams at the Canadian Open. This year, completely sold out at 190 teams. So awesome. it is unbelievable how much the, the Canadian Open in the same location has been able to grow year over year. So this is just, it's just really exciting to see. A lot of great Canadian talent. Can't wait to learn a lot about them. I think Brandon Brown is kind of that leader. Um, I'm, I'm thinking Anthony is going to buy it. So I'm going to sell it and say Connor Weiss, who is an ACL pro this year out of Canada, takes the top spot. Anthony? Yeah, I'm going to buy it. Um, obviously, my, my knowledge isn't up there, but from what I know, and actually one of the recent uh, – was it ACL Live where we had where we had Doug on? Doug. He gave us some good information yeah. on that. Yeah, so going off of what I learned in that episode, uh, I'm going to have to buy that. But real quick, Trey, and this might help me later in the show in some of our discussions, who, who were the main American players in that Canadian – did you say Joe K was in that Canadian Open? Yeah, yeah, Joe, there's a, there's a bunch going. There's actually like 15 or 20. I believe Ryan Smith just said he's going up there too. So really? Okay. Jordan Powers going. Power, Timmy Jonas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good yeah. bit. I remember the list you, you dropped. Okay. All right, next one. There will be more than three trades in teams before the season ends. I'm going to buy it. I, I really yeah. am going to buy it. I think we're going to see some trades because – I think the dynamic that's going to happen is that there's a couple things. One, we're going to get out of the first national and there's going to be four to five players that have really good runs that are not on a team right now. And so one, or, or I mean, so that are on somebody's team right now that people are going to look for draft capital or, or they're going to look for, you know, value in here and there. They're going to try to get uh, some top level players by trading away some players that had really good runs. I think there's also some teams that are just going to flat out get desperate, right? They're going to go 0-4 at this event and say something's not working. They're going to turn around and say, look, I drafted you in the second round. I need some more depth. My top players won, but I need better players, right? 
And so I really think there's going to, and then there's just going to be some animosity. Some people are going to be like, I don't like playing for you. I don't like that. You're not putting me with the right player in the lineups. I don't like that. I'm, you know, paired with this person in double. So I absolutely think we're going to see a, a large number of players. So I would say bye. Okay. Anthony. Yeah, I would agree. It's going to, it's going to all come down to those last two draft picks on each team. You know, I think there's a lot of players out there that are better than the paper says that they are. And a lot of these captains were going off of just some stats. You don't know all 300 and whatever players. So I think some players are going to show how good they are at the first national really raise their value. And then some coaches are, or captains are going to look at their last pick or their last two picks and go, I think I could swap in some more depth there. Like you were saying, Trey. So I, I would buy that. We're going to have more than three. All right. Last one. The Gores are the best family doubles team. All right, let's go through these real quick. <clears throat> the Ryans. Yeah. No more Hollands. Uh, no <laughs> more was, Hollands. That, that was that's a big one. No more guys. No more guys. Right. So, um, who else are we missing? Uh the Fillingums. Fillingums. Um, oh, what about the um, uh, the Kufis? The Kufi. The Kufi. The cups. The, the cups cup. and the Kufi. Um, um, oh, we got the Arizona boys, too. Sasueta. Sasueta. We got yeah. the Sasueta. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. <sighs> Gosh, I'm gonna go buy. I I I am gonna buy. I would buy it if I'm gonna buy it based on the current situation. If I get to take all the family members and put them with their family members, if they're not together. I would sell it and say that the guys would end up finishing the highest. But I think you could maybe argue the Hollands too. Either one, I could go back and forth on that. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, mm. um, I'm gonna buy it. Okay, Anthony. This one's tough. I'm gonna sell. <laughs> I'm gonna sell. Yeah, I, I think I think the Sats Wessas are gonna come out pretty hot this year. I like uh, that. The Ryan's the Ryan's are so tough too, and it's gonna come down to pops. Um, and he's shown that he can, he can hang. So I'm going to sell. That's a tough one. Let's follow that one. Let's watch that one to the end. That's a good one. (laughs) Watch it. (laughs) All right, cool. All right. We got our, uh, we did singles rankings last uh, week. Now we're going to do doubles rankings. So we're going to look at uh, where your doubles teams are. Uh, Trey, we'll start with yours. What you got? I'll make a comment. This one, I think I made it last time we did this. This is way harder than singles way harder. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if it's that way for you, Anthony, but this is brutal. Absolutely. It is brutal. that way. It is um, that way. Cause I had 13 teams that I wanted to put in the top 10 and I can't do that. So, um, cause you and I do this differently. I think, I think the way you do it is you, you just do your top 20 and then shave it. I'm like, is this team a top 10 player? Yes. No. Yes. No. And so I went through all of them. And I was like, these are 13, and then I order them kind of thing. So yep. anyway, number one, I got Alex Rawls and Trey Birchfield. Okay. I got Alex Rawls number one in both singles and doubles. I think right now Birchfield is playing better than Philip Lopez, which is why I have Birchfield and Rawls at number one over Lopez and Richards at number two. In reality, I think it's a coin flip. Flip a coin, pick whichever one you want it there at one or two. Number three, I had Jamie Graham and that guy. Easily could 
flip-flop with any really of the top two, Jamie Graham and Matt Guy, they're always going to be delivered. They're always going to do really, really well. This is where I kind of get start getting funky. I think we're going to be very different, Anthony, this time, just because I, but who knows? I say all this and we have the similar mindset. I have Tony Smith and Jacob Trzinski at four. Okay. okay. I, I was just really impressed when I saw them in person in Winter Haven. I love their energy. I think this season they're going to come out and really kill it. When I think back to last season, Trzinski was with Hogue. And they had a really strong run the first half of the season. And I think Tony Smith, no offense, Storm Hogue, Tony Smith is a much higher elite level player. And I think because of that, they're going to go on a really, really deep run and have some really strong success. Number five, I got uh, Anthony loves this one. I got Ryan Windsor and Alex Hicks. Both of them as individuals at the open level right now, throwing better than most people. Okay. Now you put them on a team. I think with the lights shine bright, they get to a national. They're really going to put on a show. All the way up after their shootout win, I have Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld. The Ryans, they're going to be – I have them at number six. I really think when you talk about Ryan Wiedenfeld's shot-making ability, you pair that with the leadership and the, and the intelligence of Ryan Smith on the other end, you have yourself a team that is really, really deadly and really, really strong. Number seven, really on the back of one player. I got Jimmy Humans and Kyle Malone. Kyle okay. Malone, okay. I have him absolutely shredding it right now. And although Jimmy Humans as an individual player hasn't played his best over the past three months, I know that he has it, and I know he'll figure it out this season. I really think he's going to have a really strong push, and they, they have a great year this year. I have him at seven. Number eight, I have Fisher Hamilton and Gavin Cano. Okay, Gavin Cano alleviated a lot of the doubts that I had when he won with Mark Richards. He won that event ago. I think Hamilton and Kano are going to compete at every single event that they play play at this season. They're going to be a deadly team. I cannot believe I'm saying this is a number nine team. What do you got? But I have Jay Rubin and Jordan Power. Yeah. Our world champions I have at number nine. I They deserve to not be in the top ten. The only reason that they are in my top 10 right now is because they are a world champion. I have not seen the same level of consistency. They are not the same team that won, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that if they showed up to a national today or when they show up in a couple weeks, it's going to be game time. And when it's game time, they show up and play. Finally, I have four teams at number 10 that I need to pick one. Okay. Ultimately, I landed on Devin Harbaugh and Derek King simply because how good Harbaugh is doing, King doesn't need to be elite. I think there's a chance that he's elite and they could be as good as a top five team. But as of right now, Harbaugh and King are going to be somebody that not a lot of people want to play simply because Devin Harbaugh is so hot. Right on the outside, I have Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson. I have Hunter Thorne and Noah Wooten. And I have Alan Rawls and Chris Kingsbury right on the outside looking in as well. So there is there is my top 10, Anthony. I, I, please tell me we're a lot bit different than we were in singles. Not a lot bit. <laughs> Dang it. But some. Yeah, some. I'll point out the some. So uh, our one, two, three are the same. Not in the same order. But like you said, I, I think it's a – man, it's a flip of the coin. Um, I went Richards Lopez, number one, then Guy Graham, then Rawls Birchfield. You went, you know, just slightly different. You mixed those up a little bit different. 
My number four was your number five, so we were close there. I'm going Hicks in Windsor at number four. Uh, you had uh, Trzinski and Smith. Um, I also have them in my top ten. They're just a couple slots down. Here's where I went, Ruben and Power at number five for the same reason. Uh, the only – yes, everything you said I agree with. The only thing that I was hung up on was that they did finish – I believe they finished third or fourth last season in doubles – period. So to me, that was the consistency I needed to keep them in the top five, but I don't have the world champs at one. I moved them down to five for the same reasoning you had. Number six, uh, Fisher and Kano. Um, I was only two spots away from you. You had them at number eight. Uh, I had Smith and Trzinski at seven. You had them at six. Um, Smith and Wiedenfeld also in my, uh, in my top 10, I have them at eight. You had them at six. So again, we're really close. Here's where we start to differ a little bit. Your humans in Malone, where you were putting that team in there, I went with Neistead and Shermerhorn. So that's kind of where we differ. Uh, are they even in your maybe top 15 somewhere, Trey? They might be 15. Okay. So they're up there top 15. And then I had a hard time like you with 10. Um, you went Harbaugh and King. I, I just I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, I went Zockline Halbert. Um, and I don't know why. <laughs> I, I think it just comes down to these guys are so OG. I mean, are they playing at a top 10 level? We don't really, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't. Yes, I think they're playing at a top 15 level, but I don't know. I feel like they're 11, 12, 13. But the fact that they're so OG and they really showed out taking sixth last season overall, I'm giving them a benefit out and putting them at 10. And then right outside, I can't forget Bats and Grindersleeve, who always seem to be right outside of top 10. Um, some other ones you might not have mentioned. Modlin Bubenheim really moved up the list for me. Uh, that new partnership, I had I had her previous partner in them right around like 25. So she's sneaking into, I'd say, top 15 for me. Um, Bernicette Brooks are one of the other ones that you didn't mention. Um, but the other ones you did mention right outside of top 10, I also have on my radar there as well. So there's mine. Curious, you yeah. guys. Did you have Holland Holland in your top 10? Holland and Holland would have been in my top 10 for sure. They Did you say Holland out. Holland? Yeah. 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 Before they split. Was that in your top 10? I would have put them, if you say they got back together right now, mm -hmm. I would put them mm, maybe eight or nine. Yeah. They're okay. in there for sure. I actually pulled them. I pulled them out of the top 10. The last time we did this, I think it was December, November. I pulled them out at that point and they were right outside of top 10. So they were already out for me. They were already out. Yeah. Only because, uh, you know, Derek was killing it. Josh was kind of something miffy was going on. So I just, I just, that was the only reason I pulled them right outside of 10. Yeah. And the, and the only one, the, the team I pulled out that was probably a shock to a lot of people, it would be Halbert and Zockline. And that's because, Last year, how many times did we talk about that we felt like Halbert was kind of carrying the team? And then Halbert hasn't been that level of dominance so far this right. year. So, like, that's just what worries me. Like, do I think they turn it around? Absolutely. Um, but Zockline's got to play a better role this year. He's got to, mm -hmm. uh, point blank. Facts. I think he knows that, and I think that that's going to be reflected is my guess. But we shall see. All right, Trey, do you have a hot take for us? Yeah, um, I, I think one team that I keep trying to fit into that top 10 that's going to maybe sneak in there at number 10, maybe number 10 by the end of the year, 
Alan Rawls, Chris Kingsbury. I think they sneak in at the top 10 wow. by the end of the year. I think they're that team that we go, oh, they finished top 10. Wow, good good for them. So mm-hmm. I expect a high finish this year from, from Alan Rawls and Chris Kingsbury. Okay. Anthony, what you got? I kind of like the direction you went on your hot take there. I'm kind of thinking the same thing, but – I don't know if it's a hot take, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come off of that one. Uh, I wanted to jump over to the Canadian because I think it's time for, for Joe K to win a tournament. Um, that's why I was looking for your confirmation earlier that he was on that roster. But I say Joe K takes down the Canadian Open. Uh, I think he's due. Maybe I came out a little early. What was it, like a year ago where I started talking Joe K and everyone's like, Yes. why is he talking Joe K? Uh, maybe you it's time to get let one. up. <laughs> I never let up, so come on, Joe K. <laughs> <laughs> Canadian Open winner right there. First uh, first ACL championship. Okay, and I'm going to go with uh, Brian Schramm. I think, you know, because that pressure is either going to carry him or, or crush him. I think he steps up. I think we see a good performance from him, and he does end up on a lineup for his new team, and I think he will uh, surprise some of those players because he's really got something to prove. So <laughs> we will see if that happens. That's all the time we have for today. We will see you guys all next time. What's up, guys? Still here? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Round two hot take, Mish. I feel like I'm on a TV show, you know, where they just stay on the actor's face forever and they're just like <laughs> staring off. <laughs> I'm trying to end it. <laughs>